The rule in the podcast world is you cater to the masses or you kowtow to the elite. This week, we take one more turn with Elite. to One More Turn, a show where we take an old video game out of the fridge, scrape off the discolored spots, and chow down. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. So this week, with our playing of the game Elite, a lot of thought went into sandbox games, open world games, games games without end, Jim. I've been thinking about this a, a little bit lately, and how, you know, we, li- we, we there's a lot of games out there, you know, MMOs in particular, where we... There's no end point. There's no end goal. There's just endlessly beating the dragon to death until you've leveled up to 99 and gotten all the gold. I mean, I don't know how you I'm not a huge fan of nothing that I'm not a huge fan of games that don't have like an end point or at least some monochrome of an end point. Uh, So you're a huge fan of ending credits. I, I am. Yeah, there's nothing more satisfying than the end, really. And not just the guy in Metal Gear Solid 3. There's nothing. I mean, there's just when when a, when something has like a point of a point I'm pushing towards. I feel like all that effort I'm putting into the game means something. You know, it doesn't just feel like pointless grinding. You know. So you're looking for you're looking for objectives that are set for you as opposed to objectives that you set yourself. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. So even but but you want that in terms of the story or along with. Along with the uh, kind of the gameplay elements to it, because I mean, ultimately there are always there always are things to achieve, and now that there are achievements built into many games, is that oftentimes there are always something that you can aim for, something you can strive for. Mm-hmm. Although in that case, it's usually not uh, unless you have like some of those cheap achievements that just kind of go as you're playing the game. Like congratulations, you beat level three. Here's here's some game points. Yeah, yeah, or like yeah, you play a zombie game, head tapper. Oh, you mean the, the the attack I have to do to every zombie anyway? Thanks. No, sure. no, no. I mean, like, I mean, I don't know exactly how to describe it. I, I guess maybe my problem is mostly with MMOs where they it seems like almost it's just like life, Jim. There's no point to it all. <laughs> it's just kind of a it's just kind of a bizarre galactic joke. I don't know. There's never a moment where someone comes up to you, pins a badge to you that just says. Hey, you win. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm waiting for that at work, actually. <laughs> uh, no, no. And it's not like I... Hey, just join the military. You'll be fine. And, well, what I find with a lot of these games is I play them for like five, ten hours. Five, ten hours is pretty is pretty long for a shot. Well, for like a decent MMO, that's that's a drop in the bucket if you for most of those games. But, you know, I'll give them a shot and I just get kind of bored, you know? I don't know if it's... That's just me. I just sort of don't see... I've played the mechanic over and over again. I've, you know, slayed whatever dragon 50 times. I'm at, I'm maxed out on my stats. There's nothing more personally as as that per, as that character to achieve. So it's just like, all right, well I'm just going around dominating. Like what's the what's where's where's the challenge? Where's the next step, you know? So it's interesting because there's there's ultimately there's two real there's two real differences uh, within sandbox games because you know, single-player sandbox games and multiplayer sandbox games really uh, really atta- try to attract your attention in very, very different ways. Multiplayer, with, with the multiplayer ones, specifically like MMOs, they can really rely on 
a, on the player having like his own his own player his own player group his own group of friends mm-hmm. that they just kind of go and hang out with ultimately yeah because you know, let's be honest I mean, nowadays you know you can't always expect to to be around the people that you've gamed with um you can't you know expect to live within the same proximity and so ultimately this has sort of become uh, like playing uh like you know like a final fantasy 14 group mm-hmm. um that's that is in a way like being on the couch together hanging out playing you know super nintendo mario kart or something to that effect yeah, it's just like a, a way to hang out, which is kind of a, a you know, a, a stepping, taking a step back from games. It's kind of an interesting concept. It sort of has, you know, replaced the watering hole, replaced the bar everyone would just meet at on a on a Friday night. Now it's like, oh, we just all meet online and, you know, hack and slash trolls, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. And now it's interesting because in, the, in a lot of single player uh, sandbox games is then there needs to be enough enough creativity involved with the content to really keep people uh, moving with it. Not just like, maybe not solely in creativity, but at least enough randomization with it so that mm-hmm. there's always something new to experience or like there are always new frustrations and or challenges uh, to meet. What comes to mind is, you know, granted, since we're talking uh, since we're talking Elite today, you know, a game from the mid-80s, one game that comes to immediately to mind is Sid Meier's Pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually not, I've not played the new one, the one from uh, was 2004. I mostly played uh, the old one, which I believe was like 1987, 1988. Yeah. Which was actually a very similar game, a bit more combat focused, and obviously not sitting in the middle of a cockpit. It's you're sitting on a boat instead. But there was there was a bit of a story to it. Like there was ultimately like you could try to go and find. I think it was like your lost sister, but that was really kind of minor. Yeah, like that, there wasn't a lot of effort put on. Like there wasn't, it wasn't re like, it wasn't hitting you with that all the time. It's just if you came across a piece of a treasure map, hey, great. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, just go out, you plunder, you go and shoot up Antigua every other month because <laughs> that's the easiest place to take. Is, oh, I thought Antigua was some type of uh, street word for heroin. Uh, said shoot up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it's more or less. You just you just point your cannons yeah. to them and you take all their money. Yeah, I mean, I guess I got to be clear. Yeah, I'm, I'm that pirates is a good uh, or Sid Meier's Pirates is a good example because there are a lot of just sort of goalless games in the world. You know, every sports game is that way. Essentially, all Street Fighter games are that way. Uh, oh, you're talking. I mean, we're talking specifically like where there's a, a defined world that you're living in, and you just kind of constantly... There's no stop, start and stops. It's just sort of a constant uh, playing in this well, world. Well, may this may not be the best examples, because uh, for one-on-one competition, that there is a clear start and stop. It just... Uh, what you're playing, it just... There's a... The starts and stops are very frequent. Right, right. Oh, I mean, like... Well, even at the stop, so like Sid Meier's Pirates, I imagine when you stop... You know, you have to restock and buy equipment and get new crew and things like that. If I'm not, no, I'm probably thinking of a different game. Uh, no, that, that those, those all apply. So there's not really a stop. Like you port, you know, you port the ship, but you're still kind of loading up and you're still in the world. You know, Street Fighter, you end a fight and it's like ten. You know, the next cup competitor comes up. But I, I, I guess right. I'm get, sorry, I'm getting a little off track. So yeah, I I I, I have a. Uh, I, I don't. I, for some reason, I didn't mind it so much in the '80s when I played all these games that were on like Commodore 64, and had that element of just endlessness. You know, I mean, part of the reason they had to be endless in a way is because they, they maybe didn't have the capacity to create a story in the game, and and and, and in a certain in a certain degree, they just sort of 
wanted to create a a world and sort of have per- people repeat that same process over and over again or that same game mechanic over and over. You know, I, right, they wanted people to stick with the game even when there wasn't necessarily that that stringent multiplayer component that that is almost necessity in now. Yeah, like uh I, like you know, one I played when I was a lot younger that's sort of similar to a another kind of open world game or sandbox game, the sandbox creation game would be uh, I played one called Racing Construction Set and that's another one where you just, you know, there's no there's actually I I I apologize, there's a goal. You have to build a world in that one. You know, there's an end point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe I'm wrong on this one. Maybe I, I, I don't know. You got to explain to me. I'm going a little off the rails here. Maybe you got to bring me back on here. Yeah, well, possibly because um, I, I actually i i share I share that feeling that I was certainly that the games that I played more growing up certainly uh, were far more open ended than the ones that I play now. And sandbox is more about building. It's about just uh, like amassing. A, either a resource like money in a you know in this sort of trading simulator type game, mm-hmm. or um, actually I think uh, a good one. Uh, well, anything is... Zanga made. I mean, basically anything on <laughs> Facebook and Zanga is this. You know, just sort of an endless. Oh, oh exactly. Of, um, you know, any of there uh, some games that I were addic- that I was addicted to uh, growing up were any of the like out of the park or oh gosh I forgot the other name of the other one. There's like there's two major. A series of baseball simulator games in which you are like the owner, not the players, mm-hmm. and then you have to kind of play simulate each season after like you make the decisions about who the, what players you bring on, decisions you make about the farm system, how much you're willing to pay people, which is kind of similar then to like you know get, like going back to kind of almost any game made by Bullfrog for a while, right? So like you know, sim, sim theme park, I think. Although admittedly, any game with sim in the name is. <laughs> Is set well, there. Oh, here's what I here's what I would always happen to me is at some point you get tired of it. You know, it just happens. You you do the same thing. You you run out of ideas for for building. You run out of different variations of building, and then you kind of leave your world open ended. Uh, and you're kind of I don't know. I sometimes would feel guilty about it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I got like this half completed world in Sim City. These poor citizens, they have no businesses to go to. It's going to be a derelict in no time. It's going to be Detroit within a year. The mayor just went on just went on prolonged vacation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, actually, he's had a sign-up that says, we'll be back in five minutes. He's been gone for 20 years. And then Godzilla walks through the middle of it and destroys it all. I don't know if that happened in your Sim City, but that, they had the monster one in mind. That was only when I was there. Oh. It's just when you're just massive, you're just rapidly hitting the plane crash button over and over and over again. <laughs> oh, those poor, poor citizens. Yeah, and now it's interesting because you know, generally, I think before you hit that point of kind of getting tired with the game, that's when you start setting your own constraints to it. And that generally, that's where I find there to be kind of the most intrigued, uh, the most intriguing uh, kind of challenge to them are those self-imposed constraints that you have to it. Like, oh, maybe you're not, maybe like this part of this this city building tool is a bit too powerful, at least compared to the other ones. Let's do this without using this, or right. let's see how let's see how successful a city I can make without building roads. Everyone has railroads. That's it. I don't know. Is that viable? I don't know. Let's find out. Now, granted, I guess a lot of those questions can be easily answered online. Um, but also online, you can also create your own challenges that way. It's the great conundrum, Jim. Like, what do you do when you have all the tools in the world to build whatever you want, you know, and no constraints? You 
you self-impose constraints and then you get tired of those constraints and then you kind of walk away but then you still just you still just end your roller coaster early just so you can watch the the, the train just go rocketing across your why are those park? people getting on that roller coaster they know there's, they know there's no end to it jim they know there's no end it's called the last will and testament it's actually the racing coasters the last wills on the left the testaments on the right and they race across the theme park sounds like a band name the last will and testament you know, I'm a fan of Testament, really, but not The Last Will. Anyway, that's fell flat. <laughs> anyway, we'll be right back on One More Turn. back to one more turn a show where we play video games so you never have to again i'm jim and i'm kevin this week we're taking one more turn with elite developed by college i don't know if they're roommates but college undergrads david braben and ian bell uh while they were undergrads at cambridge university so you know it comes from a pretty good pedigree jim uh this game is basically a complete open world space game with a few minor minor detours in story or at least background in the world uh braben and ian bell actually have an interesting background with this game they actually feuded over it in 2000 so there was a little bit of a schism uh like 16 years after the game came out yeah it came out in 84 uh you guys might know the developers braben he he has sort of this foundation that's all about like the the acknowledgement or the the, the, the the lifting up of computer science studies in, in schools. Uh, it's called the Raspberry Pi Foundation. You created a... Oh, they're the guys who make the Raspberry Pi. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, it's delicious. I do have one of those. Oh. Uh, is it uh, 3.14 uh, inches long? Anyway, uh, it's... He... Oh, my God. <laughs> That's how it's spelled, Jim. And he had, uh, he had two games that have some notoriety. Recently, there was Lost Winds. Uh, with Frontier Developments. He heads up Frontier Developments. And he had a game called The Outsider, which was finished but never published. And I ne- I couldn't find a reason why it was never published. Elite was... Are these re- are these recent uh, uh, Outsider is a little recent, like 2009, 2010. So, but it was kind of like a news story for a while, which, which was kind of strange. I don't know why, because he hadn't really developed too many games. He got the name Frontier Developments from the sequels in the Elite series, such as Elite 2 was called... I believe, let me make sure I get this title right. It was just called Frontier. Frontier, it was Frontier, Frontier Elite, Elite 2. 2 yeah. And then they did a bit of a Rambo situation with Elite 3. They called it Frontier First Encounters. <laughs> and then well, it went from first, you know. Rambo in space, yeah. I see. Yeah, well, you know, First Blood, Rambo 2. Anyway, published by Acornsoft in the UK, Firebird in the US. But they released a novel writ with, with it. Uh, it was written by Ian Bell, one of the developers. It was called The Dark Wheel. And it's just basically kind of a prequel takes place in this universe where i don't know I, I i didn't read it so i don't really know what it's about but uh ultimately you should have told me this should have told me i could have done performed an oral book report oh, oh, it's seven, you would have given me five oh, minutes of this oh. and then you give me a star i turn that into pizza hut for a personal pan pizza oh, that's your assignment for next week jim finish the dark wheel and i know i want a thousand words on it by then i will do it i'll put it on our website i it. swear i'll do go it go for it go for it i dare you I dare you. That's no Shakespeare. I don't know There's if I no do things for a dare. I go double dog dare or nothing. 
when you say it was packaged with it, like it, it it was a file that came on the disc, like it was just a dot like txt or I don't uh, know what they oh, used so, back then. So we're talking mid eighties. This game came out in eighty four, and anybody who's played a PC game from that time, all all games or most games, most like high end games came with like a box that was about eight and a half by 11 or eight by 10. Oh yeah. And er- I still have a few of those. Yeah. And everything in those boxes were just like maps and not just the, the, you know, guides, but they usually gave you like posters and things to hang up on your wall, other things to hang up on your wall, you know, cards. It was just like a whole, you know, it, it wasn't so slim down packaging that we get in a lot of games. Well, sure. And the disc though, the disc was about that size anyway. Right. So oh, it was like a floppy. Usually can't, you know, we're talking, floppy disks so yeah yeah it was it was i mean the discs were that size but the box didn't have to be that size they made the box probably more to that size to cater to sort of the printing material the printed material that came with it right and in this case that because uh, as something you kind of mentioned during the banter section is that uh, for at least for games of this time a lot of the exposition um the, the exposition was not really included in with the game uh, in like the actual game component no. of it to kind of make room well, just because dealing with the constraints that they had unless they wanted to really like uh, have to allot for a game with mm-hmm. you know eight eight floppy disks that you constantly <laughs> have to exchange which that was a thing let's you well, know, well, let's, let's just let's remember. It this way. Uh, a word doc uh, is kilobytes you know 30 kilobytes for for a word doc and that's mostly text I don't I'm think I don't think these floppy disks could handle even a word doc, you know, it's like, well, remember Microsoft <laughs> word was still a long time coming. Right. So that's how small of data they had. So they really couldn't put a ton of text, which means they really couldn't put a ton of story. It was all code that we were on these discs or programming code, which was the game at elite specifically was kind of, int- was very interesting. It wasn't the first you're a, It's a space trader is how they called it. It's a, you're basically most of the game takes place in the cockpit of your, well, let me make sure I get the name of this ship right. It is right. the. It's a game where you trade spaces. The Cobra MK3. Uh, that is your spaceship, and you're you're a trader. You go from planet to planet. planet you attempt to go from planet you, to planet. You try to go from planet to planet and trade anything from computers to grains to uh, electrical slaves. Equipment. Slaves, yeah, you get slaves. Why is slaves on there? And it's not illegal. Uh, well, some of the stuff is illegal that you can trade. You can't. You yeah, can't the get slaves the... aren't. I no, tried. I know. I know. It's kind of. Ugh. Oh, I think they're robots. Yeah, yeah, they're they're robots. And then, uh... which this is before the singularity, right? Right. Uh, so, Elite wasn't the first of these games. There was a game that came out in '74 called Star Trader. I have never heard of that game. I have no. I '74, ten years before. I'm imagining it's just blips and blots and dots. So I don't know how. I thought it was a tabletop be. game. It might have been. Yeah, yeah. It probably was. It was just. It was just pong. You were just trading <laughs> points with one another. Right. You were trading a blip back and forth, and then when someone broke the agreement, then the other team got a point. Yeah, yeah. It was a whole. Yeah, that's how. That's what pong really is. It's World War. You know, it's global nuclear war. Jim. It all comes back to Matthew Roderick. That explains why I don't play it. Uh, And so so the thing about Elite that I think really blew a lot of people's minds at the time, uh, and and I think it actually holds up pretty well, uh, was the space combat was is actually pretty cool. You know, I, I, you know, I know it's sort of rudimentary in some regards, but you do fly around in a 3d space. Like it's not like it's, you know, you, you have aft, you have, you go, you go up, up, down, left, right. 
Uh, you have a little in your cockpit. There's a little uh, navigation tool. It looks like a little gl circle with a bunch of like latitude and longitude lines in it. And while you're flying around, you see the ships appear on there, but they also appear with height and distance. So you kind of fly around and and you know you can fly oh, even direction. And, yeah. yeah, in direction. It's kind of a cool thing. Like you really feel like you're in this first person perspective. You know, there's 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 like a pa the panel has things like how many missiles you have, but not just that, but how much. Your front shields are damaged. Your rear shields are damaged. Your left and right, your your you know, uh, uh, port and starboard sides are, are damaged. You know, you have yeah, like you was... overheat your gun. I mean, you can you can customize your your ship to have better weapons and better speed. And yeah, there's certainly a huge quantity of options here. Now, like mm -hmm. I played I played the heck out of X-wing growing up, and it's interesting that just. X-Wing, there are far fewer options in it, because obviously there are only a few different ships that there were. But honestly, the space combat was just a polished version of what was here within Elite. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly right. It's amazing how well the combat, to me, at least playing it now, held, held, holds up today. Because, I mean, it's, I think that has something to do with just, it's space. So you don't have to deal with any real, you know, uh, physics. I mean, I, not that there's no physics in space, but, you know, like bumping into objects in the world you know the only objects you bump into are other ships asteroids maybe the sun if you need fuel and generally and generally that's that's pretty easy to program what happens when one hits hits into another yeah, one of them blows up right or both of them do yeah yeah so right i found it kind of still kind of holding up in a weird way i don't know i mean maybe i don't know how you oh, let me you tell me what did you think of just sort of the flying around. And I, I hate to call it combat because it's not even always combat when you're flying around. You're just kind of flying around, you know? Well, right. But, you know, let's be honest. The, the only, at least from what I found, like the only reasons, well, the reasons for at least early game mm. flying around is you are, hit, you are heading towards the trading port or you are fighting. Or most often than not, you're heading towards the trading port and you get jumped by somebody. Right. And And the only difference, I guess, between... This between, I guess, it as a simulation of space and real life is in this case, uh, after getting blown up for the fourth time in about 20 minutes, everybody can hear me scream. <laughs> Even all your roommates heard you scream probably like 30 times this week. Oh, frequently. Yeah, it's it's difficult. I think that's a, I think that's the big issue with this game, if you want to call it an issue, is that the difficult there's no difficulty setting. It is difficult from moment you fly out into the into the abyss <laughs> into the great right. black so void I was, space i struggled i struggled mm. mightily with this game and i ended up looking up a number of different guides to try to uh to try to just give me t pointers toward where i'm supposed to go um ways to just not get attacked so easily because i i didn't know what a dictatorship planet meant versus an like versus a commercial planet versus a democracy planet mm -hmm. versus an anarchy so i ended up trying to trade in anarchies oftentimes and to pretty poor results although yeah. i kind of noticed that after a while uh, it was just it was repeating the same pattern in which i would pick up stuff from the initial place you start you start in a, you, you start at one given planet with 100 bucks and your ship and you just kind of just said hey go and every time what would happen is i would buy my goods I'd go someplace, I'd sell those goods. I'd buy some goods from there. I'd go to sell someplace else. I always get attacked. Yeah. Every time. It did not matter where I went. I would always get attacked. And more often than not, it was I would get attacked by one person or by one ship. 
and they would immediately call in backup or just other people would come along and then all of a sudden I had missiles flying at me and first thing in the game, you don't really have much to deal with missiles. No, you don't. Uh, missiles are the really the worst. You have to shoot them down, I think. I think you could shoot them down. Yeah, I believe you can. I did it by accident once. Yeah, and your targeting system to start is pretty weak and it overheats quickly and you it really, it doesn't, it, it's a cool thing because it's one of those like, in some ways cool in some ways a pain in the ass and that your 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 laser you you know you have a little target on the screen it's usually like an x or a or a plus sign uh that's open in the middle so you kind of know where you're hitting but your lasers don't shoot straight in the middle they kind of shoot around it a little bit which is i would think be kind of a little bit real in space or at least if you have a crappy ship <laughs> you know your shooters your 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 lasers wouldn't hit straight Right, right, and uh, it did. It did have give a little bit of leeway, at least with being able to hit. I mean, especially at range. Like I kind of felt that oftentimes I really wasn't even that close, mm-hmm. but it was just kind of giving me the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it just felt bad for me. Yeah. I know I certainly would if I were in that in that game yeah. shoes. Well, the frustrating thing too is, and you mentioned it is, yeah, usually about the second or third trading mission, or it's not even really missions. The second or third mission you go out They're on. They're self-appointed missions. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you would just see a ship. And, you know, most of the ships look pretty similar from far away. Right. And... Oh, I mean, the only difference is, depending on the version that you're playing, um, I was playing, like, a shaded version on DOS. Mm-hmm. And the only difference was the color. Yeah, and I played the DOS one where there's no shade. It's just everything's blue or, or just wireframe. Okay. And, that, and then that's later... That's like the, the NES version. Yeah, and then later I played the NES version as well. Um and what happens is, is you just see a ship, and you're so s- sketched out because you've died ten thousand times. You died ten times already. You just start shooting. You want to get the upper hand. You want to get the drop on these guys. And then you shoot one. You're like, oh, that's a police. That's a police ship. And then all of a sudden, fifteen police ships fly out of nowhere. Fly out of the fly out of the space station, and you are screwed. Like they're like way more powerful than you are, and they are ready. Oh, to, yeah. to just blow you out of the sky. So. Oh, the one time I accidentally, sh- like, when I was trying to teach myself how to dock, which we can get into soon, um, <laughs> I accidentally shot it, and I was then immediately attacked by this huge flurry of Doritos. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the other one. If you shoot the, if you shoot the space station, that, that's when they also come out. And sometimes you shoot it errantly, like, uh, you'll, you're docking, and the game has a tendency to just randomly generate an asteroid right in front of you while you're flying, and so you have to shoot the asteroid out, or, you know, if you crash into it, you're your dust you know it's game over again and the problem is is it'll generate an asteroid while you're docking <laughs> or lining up to dock and you're you you make the mistake of shooting it and you accidentally shoot through it and hit the space station and then the police come out and they just right ruin then you get doritoed. yeah you get doritoed are we talking cool ranch are we talking original taco flavor i love taco flavor it's so good did you say original taco flavor? Not nacho cheese. Have you ever had the taco flavor, Jim? Yeah, I have, but original kind of... Uh, it's the original implies flavor. that there are several taco flavors. They, they well, that's for enough. I actually, to be fair, I know there is. There's Taco Supreme. There's Midnight Taco. There's Tacos at Midnight. I can get on get on with this, but that we can save that for... We can save this for our um, Jim's opinion, like... Jim screams opinions about snack foods, this show. Yeah, we'll save that for another opening section. We're talking about it. Docking. Docking, Jim. Oh, you, my God. If you don't buy the special docking uh, thing for your ship, which you can buy for, like, it's really expensive, you 
manually have to line your ship up perfectly with uh so let's hold on let me backtrack so yeah every spa- okay yeah, go ahead well let's let's talk for except like for for a second when i'm when i'm watching something from science fiction let's look at star wars for example oftentimes throughout star wars i mean especially i guess through now in the the extended cut version mm-hmm. you know the extended one where it kind of just adds in a bunch of useless cg you see a lot of ships dock from time to time there's like usually some sort of like tractor equipment, like tractor beams. I mean, or there's at least something to at least help the ships get into get into the station or get onto the larger carrier craft. Right. Because let's be honest, if something mess, if something, if there's a problem, if something messes up in the docking, not only does that damage or possibly destroy the ship that's docking, it probably caused massive damage to the hangar that you're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it would make sense that there would be some sort of aid for for this. Not only so not only are these space stations represented by the most kind of obscure just geometric shape, which is okay, here's this cube with the corners sawed off, which I probably used to remember the name of back in geometry. Um, or like here's just a floating I think it's like a casahedron. There's like mm. the Pentagon shaped ones. Um, just kind of and I'm like, okay, here it is. Here's their slot. Here's the slot where I presume I need to dock. Why is it spinning? It's spinning because this is 1984, and when it was made, and you got to remember the the movie uh, that came out prior to that, and the music from that movie is in the opening credits. 2001: Space 2001 Odyssey. 2001: right. Space Odyssey. And and what is the space station doing in 2001: Space Odyssey? It's rotating. It's spinning. It's spinning. So. Right, but so not only is there no assist, there's, there's there's no automatic assistance. You have to go and buy it, but you have to pilot. You, you have to fly your ship into something that is rotating, and you need to. You don't need to. You don't need to center it, which which I was pleased with. Mm-hmm. You don't have to perfectly center it, but you do need to be able to to shoot in there when it's when your ship is like when the slot is like perfectly horizontal. Oh, oh. it is like it is like needlework. Yeah, and and I'll go a step further in that. You the ship rotates at one speed, but if you press to the right or left to, to press to the right to roll with it, you are faster in your roll than its roll, and so yep. you are ch- constantly kind of like rolling beyond it and then stopping and then rolling beyond it, and then it, it's like it's it's not only is it is it yeah they don't have any tractor system, you can't roll at the speed that it's rolling. <laughs> so you, right, I just found it. I found it just best just. Just ignore the rolling. You just wait till it lines up, and then you just hit the gas. Right, yeah. Because that way, you just save yourself a lot of the pressure. You save yourself a lot of the stress of this. Just like, ah, you know what? We're just we're just going to live with this. Yeah, you just, you just roll with it, Jim. <laughs> no, that's the point. <laughs> oh, you not... don't roll with it. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you just plow through it like a, like a brick, like your Kool-Aid man through a brick wall. That's more or less what I'm doing, <laughs> is I'm Kool-Aid man in space. <laughs> With with results about what what you would imagine that would be like. Yeah, yeah, you destroy yourself a lot of times that way. The frustrating thing is that square sometimes is you think you're past it too, like the, the mail slot. You think you're in, and then you're not rolling right, and then all of a sudden it, you just blow up and die. And you're like, oh, great, thanks. Sure, thanks, why not? Why not? Thanks, Commander Jensen or whatever your name is. You're not a good enough pilot to roll at the speed of a space station. But what about all my textiles? <laughs> all my slaves. <laughs> all my computers. Why couldn't I make them dock the ship? I don't know. I don't know, Jim. <laughs> well, uh, we'll be right back on one more turn. 
Welcome back to One More Turn, a show that Lyndon B. Johnson once called the Vietnam War of gaming podcasts. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. So, Kevin, I never, I never survived really that long uh, in my numerous attempts <laughs> in this game. I tried a couple different versions. I tried a few different guides online. I read through... I, sorry, I skimmed through the pictures on a couple of different manuals, and I just... I think I lived for about 10 minutes once. I think it's because I walked away for five minutes to get a drink. What is there to do? What's there? Okay. So I, I, in replaying it, I died a lot too. I, I fact, in fact, I probably, a lot of this is going to be me remembering. I was a lot better at this game when I was like eight or nine and seven than I am now, which is kind of a strange, strange thing to think about. Uh, so let's talk first of why it's called Elite and then I can get into the story or the kind of the, how the, you know quote unquote story of the game uh so the only way to gain you you in some ways it's like D D, where you have like chaotic neutrals and chaotic uh you know neutral good or you know or, or not good chaotic and whatever all those kind of classifications in dungeons and dragons are so you have something similar you have uh in this game you have kind of two stats which are one is basically if you're lawful or unlawful so if you shoot cops, you're unlawful, and you kind of slowly get more and more unlawful. That's less that's less Dungeons and Dragons and more RoboCop or Judge Dredd. <laughs> right. And the other is simply a points thing. However many ships you shoot, you get a bigger, a better, and better status. And the best the best status to get is called elite status. So. How I'm, many ships do you need to blow up to get elite status? 6,400. <laughs> Are there even that many <laughs> ships in elite? You have to play for so long to get that. I, I, I remember my brother Sam was excellent at this game, and it took him forever to get to elite. Like, it took him probably like a year, or maybe at least. Like, it's just, there's just, and he, he played a lot. So it just takes forever to get to that status. And what happens is, is when you gain uh, better statuses or higher statuses, when you kill more, um, and you're kind of be status basically is like you're becoming more renowned in the space world. You're becoming more Luke Skywalker. You're becoming more known, like uh, Han Solo, I guess. And okay. and what happens is, is after you, so I have to even back a little bit, back up just a little bit. Uh, okay. There's eight galaxies in the world and 256 planets in each galaxy. And in, in each whoa, so there's a thousand, you know, thousand plus planets you can go to in this game. Yeah, that's that's like that's over two thousand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, uh, uh, but to be fair, um, some. Are you sure it's per? Are you sure it's two hundred fifty-six per galaxy? Yes, I think it's two fifty. I know the largest has two fifty-six. I could have sworn I saw eight okay. galaxies two fifty-six. Okay. Uh, but each galaxy is pretty similar, and it's not like they progressively get harder. They're just different. Um, and a quick side note, you can actually, with your limited, since you're limited by seven light years of gas, you can actually beam to a planet and then get stuck there and not be able to get out. So a little tip for you out Terrific. there playing elite. Yeah. Because of how the galaxy has generated. But anyway, so when you, you have to, at some point to get to the next galaxy, you have to buy a special device. It's like a hyperspace device and it shoots you off to the second galaxy also, quick tangent, sometimes when you get shot to a, when you use the hyperspace device, you get shot to a black hole or a system where there's no, there's nobody around except for the enemies just shooting at you. So 
you have that to look forward to when you use the hyperspace device, too. People really knew how to have fun in 1984. Yeah. yeah. And when you get to the second galaxy, the Galactic Navy kind of approaches you, and they start uh-huh. giving you missions. And they give you, I think there's, there's not many, like seven or ten. Uh, one's just like, deliver this pod to this you know, planet. Some are, you know, they're basically that simple. Uh, but there's kind of this backdoor story about this race of insectoid enemies called the Thargolds. Most, most of the ships are named after snakes or reptiles. Thargolds uh, are not named after, their, their ship is just not named after that at all. It's just kind of its own thing. It's just called the Thargold ship. <laughs> Which is kind of interesting, uh, but anyway, they they're kind of just sounds like a forty nine er ship. <laughs> they it's like what is what does this do? They are gold. Yeah, they're gold, and then they're ships. <laughs> and basically, they're just the you know they don't like the Galactic Federation. They don't like order. They're a chaotic species. They're bugs. Bugs are never friendly in anything. Yeah, and they want to just they just don't want to join your galaxy. They're the you know, they're the Romulans, they're the Klingons, they're the whatever the new enemy is in the new Star Trek universe. They're Cardassians. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. They have that they talk they talk like this. I have exhausted <laughs> my Star Trek knowledge. Um So yeah. Seven of nine? And and it's basically like, you know, eliminate these star golds, uh, you know, end these disputes. You know, it's it's very, very it's mostly just destroy their ships you know uh, and i think can one, you turn down I, these missions and i think one of them is go to their home planet and like destroy their invading ships if i'm not mistaken oh i think you just go and play go and play flashback just starring at their planet but all these missions completely optional so they give you this narrative you can kind of play with and they give you a little bit of this universe to kind of you know have a story in but you don't even have to do it like you just say well but the Thargoids, or Thargolds, or I don't know, I think it's Thargoids. I might be getting the name wrong. Uh, let them deal with, you know, let, let the Galactic Navy deal with it. I'm good to go. I'm, a, I'm elite. I'll just fly around. I'll deliver my robots. I'll, do, I'll deliver my diamonds. So Sure, sure. This poor agricultural planet needs its slaves. <laughs> it does. It does. How else will it grow its poor agricultural chaotic wheat? <laughs> and... That's, I mean, that's the story. That's it. And you, after you beat those missions, it's just nothing really happens. You're just sort of like you keep playing, you know? You keep trying to gain higher and higher status or... Get a bigger ship or something like that. Make your ship nicer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think... Uh, okay, can you get other ships? I think in later ones you can. The, what you can do is you can upgrade, like, your hyperdrive. You can actually upgrade, like, uh, your guns on the ship. So you can have a gun on the back of your ship. You could have a gun on each wing, which is kind of pointless. Wow. So, like, well, does, do, can, do they fire off to the sides? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if something's flying next to you, you can shoot at it from your from the port side or the starboard side. The port, those ones are those two are pretty worthless because things just zoom past you anyway in the in the in the in the course of a fight. Uh, but yeah, you can just keep upgrading your ship until it's the biggest, baddest, you know, Cobra MK3 in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, because I'm flipping through the manual right now, looking at the different looking at the different crafts, and now it's fun because it does have like little visual. It has like design drawings of what these ships are supposed to look like, and then next to it is like the the polygonal representation of what they actually look like in game. <laughs> right, right. And just like here's a thing that looks like a diamond. Here's a slightly more narrow diamond. Here's a pyramid. 
Here's a pyramid with a box in it. <laughs> the transporter looks like a house that a four-year-old drew. Yeah, basically. I mean, and that's kind of the entire game. I know uh, there's some stuff about, like, you know, the, the, you can mine rocks. You know, you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to trade in order to make money. You can just fly through the air and just, if there's asteroids in the, in the galaxy, you just shoot at them and then fly through them and you pick them up. Right, or, he's, or you can um, go and, you can be a bounty hunter, right? You yeah. can go and hunt pirates. That's actually how I made my most, like, the, the most money that I possibly could. I'm like, yeah, I can go and swap food for, like, get a profit of, like, a buck and a half per ton that I transport. Or I could just go and shoot someone up and get 20 bucks for it. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of more fun to do that one anyway, honestly. I mean, especially if you're going to be flying around anyway, why not just, you know... Shoot some. If I'm gonna get attacked in every place that <laughs> yeah. I go, why not? Yeah, why not just shoot some Thargolds out of the uh, out of the sky, right? I mean, they're yeah, they're asking yeah. For it. It, it's fun because now that I'm actually flipping through this manual, there there is actually some important information. Like here, this you know, here are the safest territories to go to. Here are the ones with the most piracy. I'm like, oh yeah, those are the ones that I kind of was going to regularly. Yeah, you know, you know, you can actually uh, you don't have to buy slaves. If you shoot a ship and it has an escape pod, you just pick up yeah. you just pick up the escape pod with your escape pod grabber. You have to actually buy an escape pod thing, uh, and there's your slave. You can build, do a little crane game with you it. You can build up slaves that way. Yeah. So oh no! There's all, there's all these like little details that make this world feel kind of more flushed out and real, but it's a lo- you know it's 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 the it's the thing a lot of those '80s games had, which is. You have to read like a booklet for a week just to like get to that point where you are aware of everything. Right, right, and I mean, and, and in that way, like I really, I really had to go, had to go through, and I, I did a lot of research for the DOS version in trying to figure out what the controls were, because there was nothing there to help me. Mm-hmm. The manual that came with it, I think, was for a different version, thanks to Bandonia, and so. I was kind of just mashing buttons just to kind of figure out what they did. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when I stopped playing it, I think I don't think like I had just figured out how to fire missiles. Oh, which may be which may be kind of indicative of too why I died a lot. <laughs> I can I ask you? Did you when you fired missiles? Because I I kind of like firing missiles in this game. It's like uh, when you see a good like submarine movie and they fire the torpedo and there's just that huge tension of the torpedo slowly going to the target. There's that same kind of feeling in this game as your missile just slowly paces off towards its uh, towards its target. Oh, certainly. I mean, I actually I used to there was a there was a submarine like ship battle game from the from the late 80s I think that I played called Wolfpack that I think had a very similar feel to it in that in that way. But in this case, the missiles uh those missile those torpedoes didn't home. No. No. Oh, you mean in your game or in this game? I mean, in this one, no. you, know, you lock onto your target. Mm-hmm. You're you're okay if you're kind of up close. Yeah, they can shoot um, them down pretty easy. But yeah, it's kind of oh, that's true. But it's interesting because like you know, as I'm as I'm here, like I'm mashing keys, figuring out what the F. It's like here we go. That goes to show the this goes to show the times. The F keys do important things. Right. I don't think I've had a game where an F key has done something important in so long. Yeah, cause, I guess quick save and quick load. That's been about it. Yeah, which, which is so funny because you don't really like. It's not like the whole keyboard. It's not like all the keys are used on the keyboard. 
It's just. I mean, a, quite a few of them. Yeah, yeah, they are, but it's not. It's like a quirk of the. I mean, it's not like a game like Ultima where every single letter's used. You know. Uh, right. It, it's like a quirk of the. De- it's maybe a quirk of the design or a quirk of the of the computers at the time had to use the F keys for specific. Which functions. makes it all that more interesting that this game was ported to the Nintendo. You know, a system that has oh, a two button controller. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. So, uh, I'll briefly, I mean, we talked about it real quick that there's a couple sequels to this game. There's actually a fourth one coming out. And it's on. Is it is it coming out? I know it's on Kick. I know it's on uh, Kickstarter. It's on Kickstarter. I thought it hit its goal, but it's going to be called Elite Dangerous. Let's get it up right dangerous. Now, just, just like Darkwing Duck here. It's going to be set 50 years after the events of Frontier First Encounters. As if we all, all those remember, events. As if we all remembered Elite Three. Like all of us played that game. We're all gonna know exactly what's happening in the Elite World. I, I don't understand why they didn't just reboot it. Like you know, just reboot it, start over. I don't think you know this was this was like the first time you ever played it, right? Honestly, it was the first time I'd ever heard of it. Yeah. So for people, maybe this game is like a, a crown jewel for like I'm on the edge of the people who who probably played this game. And most of it were people in their 40s and 50s now, who are in their 40s and 50s now. Mm-hmm. So to have this sequel to these three games that, you know, I'm not dis- dismissing people who play games in their 40s and 50s, but I would argue, hey, let's bring a, <laughs> I will. Let's bring a new audience into this. Let's not, you know, let's just kind of start from square one. And can't we do that? It's Kickstarter. Can't we just start over? I mean, so we can't, like, that's, it seems like a lot of the older licenses are doing. I mean, isn't that kind of like what Wasteland and yeah. uh, Shadowrun were doing? Yeah, so it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, Elite <laughs> Dangerous. <laughs> Did you find out? Is it funded? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, like, they were asking for, it was, yeah, it was actually, it was like, one point, it was one and a quarter million pounds, and they ended up getting about one and a half out of 25,000 backers, I mean, that, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, like, you know, a lot of dudes with some money. A lot of guys in their 40s. Right, and it still, and it still works off of the same, working off the same goal of, you start with a ship, you start with 100 space dollars, or sorry, credits, because we're in the future. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you just go and just do what you want. It's space rupees. Do what you want, because a pirate is free. It's space rupees, Jim. The, just because it's, the, just cause it's space doesn't mean the U.S. conquered it, you know? Maybe India had a shot at it. Maybe there was the rise of India <gasps> oh my God. in the future. As well, once the Kickstarter campaign for for this has com- completed successfully, there's also additional items that were you know that were unlocked for like the different tiers. One of them is have a signed physical hardback copy of the official sequel to The Dark Wheel. <laughs> What's it called? Please give me a. What is... It doesn't have oh, it doesn't have a man. name on it, but the d- there you go. <laughs> the dark square, the dark circle. Oh my goodness! The light, there you go. The now, this, this is this, this is what we're gonna do. Is we're gonna have a write. We're gonna have a writing contest here. I will do. <laughs> I will do the book report for the Dark Wheel. If you do the one for the official sequel, uh, or maybe we... I'll read. I'll read the sequel. Yeah, yeah. I have... We'll throw it out there. We'll throw it out there for the fans. Yeah, let them. Uh, let them. Let them have to deal with this garbage. In this case, think of think of the Dark Wheel as just basically being the obelisk from 2001: <laughs> A Space Odyssey, yeah. but it's one that can roll. <laughs> Roll with it, Jim. You just gotta roll with it. <laughs> we'll be oh <laughs> we'll be this is going way off the rails here. We'll be right back on one more turn.
Welcome back to One More Turn, a show that was once referenced in a deleted scene on Dancing with the Stars. So, Kevin, what have you been playing? Well, so normally I like to recommend smaller titles, or, or titles from sort of smaller Good companies. games, <laughs> unlike this week. <laughs> yeah, good games. I'm like, well, it's a good game if you are patient with it. Uh, but I was playing Elite... And it kind of harkened back to when I was playing a lot of Commodore 64 when I was a kid. And then uh, this one uh, uh, free to play game came out recently that I wasn't too excited about. But ultimately, uh, uh, it got me thinking a lot about my favorite game of all time, uh, which was recently ported to the iOS and probably coming to a lot of Android systems soon. Uh, but Ultima 4 recently got ported to, the, to mobile phones, basically. Oh, so that's why I haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, yeah, and... You said you were going camping. Uh, I, well, I did spend a lot of time playing this while camping, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's basically... Look, I, I don't want to go too into the game, because it's, it's, I'd actually like to actually do a full... Us, us, give, us the, give it the one more turn treatment someday. But I would, I would, I'm recommending it basically because it's possibly one of the most important i don't want to say greatest most important rpgs of all time uh specifically in western rpgs uh, even mm-hmm. eastern a lot of eastern games took a lot from this game and i, I would it would behoove me uh <laughs> to not recommend someone picking up a free version of this game on their iphone or ipad uh which is currently where it's at but i i would expect this thing to get ported over to android soon enough uh it's it's the reason I was thinking about it is because I almost started playing the the free to play one created by Mythic Entertainment called Quest for the Avatar. <laughs> oh God, it's called like Ult- <laughs> it's the uh, Ultima Four is called Ultima Four Quest of the Avatar, and the Mythic Entertainment free to play take on that series is called Ultima Quest for the Avatar, um, which is silly. <laughs> what makes it free to play? Well, I mean, obviously, there's the free to play, but like, are there microtransactions in it the, so you can start leveling up yeah, the Ultima character yeah, so, for fat bucks? Yeah, it's basically you have to buy. So every treasure chest and a lot of the doors are locked by keys, and it's like bronze, silver, gold. Um, mm. And you have to buy. You can earn keys by killing monsters, but it's quicker to just buy them, and it's easier to just buy them. So I didn't like that aspect of it, uh, and and I would rather people play the original Ultima Four then play some free-to-play thing. Even if it's a little cumbersome because you have this... You use, like I said, uh, I think earlier in the show, you use a tiny keyboard. You know, you have to use the entire keyboard. The entire QWERTY is used here. Plus there's a couple F5 and F7 F keys that you kind of have to reference as well as numbers. So imagine cramming an entire QWERTY keyboard into your phone <laughs> and you still have to use all that and kind of give conversations to people. But even with that hindrance, it's... I just... It's... This I just love this game, and now I don't think there's any excuse for people not to play it if they, if it's so readily available. You know, before you had to get a, a Bandonia or GOG, and you had to download it, and then because those versions don't sync up well with DOSBox or with a lot of modern systems, you have to buy like firmware to make sure that the the music plays. Uh, whereas this one, it's just the Commodore 64 version emulated and has music and has everything ready to go. I mean, it's just. Perfect. Oh, it's just a straight port over. Yeah, it's just a straight port of the the, the Commodore sixty four version. It's my favorite game of all time, or at least, or you know, one of my favorites of all time. 
And I just, you know, I, I have to recommend it. It's free. It's easier to get now than it's ever been to get. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I, I just would recommend to anybody to buy it, to get it. Be patient with it because it is kind of difficult. But it's, you know. <laughs> no, I, I, we just got finished talking about a lead here. Well, but at least when you die, you get. And when you die in Ultima 4, you're not punished. You don't have to start all over. You just sort of go back to, you know, you get your some gold docked. You get some gold taken away and you go back to sort of the main main castle of the game so i have to ask them like have like how how long a game i actually i've not played ultima 4 i've briefly played some of the later ones Mm -hmm. but i i don't actually know that much about ultima 4 it's long i'm not gonna lie it's really long you could easily gosh i I can get could you could you finish it uh during a jury duty sitting (laughs) let's say if your trial has like a split jury for like two months. Sure, if that's forty hours, you could probably get through it in forty hours. Most of the time, it's going to take you longer because this game is all about conversing with people. And when you converse mm-hmm. with them, they tell you where to find things or how to achieve certain goals. I, I like again. I don't want to ruin too much. I'd like to give it a full treatment someday. But it's it's yeah, it's a long game. But it's it's. Awesome. I love it. I, I, I can't get enough of it. It's, it's the only game I've ever played where I felt like I learned something. I became like a better person for playing it. Huh. Yeah. You. That, that, is, a, that is a very bold statement there. Yeah. It's, it's a game where it's not just kill everything in sight. It is uh, very thoughtful. It's very thoughtful. And, and after you played four, the subsequent, subsequent sequels become very like thoughtful uh, our uh, ruminations and and sort of games on w- what it is. God, I hate to I hate to give it away, but what it is to sort of be a uh, what it is to be absolute in your beliefs, or what it is to kind of how how your belief system is interpreted as great for you, but a completely different race can see it as the exact opposite, and what, how that affects them. And it's it's play. F- I always say play four first, and then f- the the subsequent sequels five, six, and especially seven become that much more enriched and enlightening it is it is a series that you kind of need to play through starting with four the first three are pretty the first three are average games fours 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 great i i i i've beaten it several times and played it many many times and it's one of the games i always come back to like i said it makes me feel it teaches you valuable lessons on how to be a decent person so one of the lesson number one how not to kill Lord British. <laughs> yeah, well, he can't be killed unless you have a boat and shoot at him. He can't be killed, Jim. That doesn't seem like <laughs> that big of a restriction. <laughs> uh, and actually, you can't kill him in four. You have to kill him in three. You, you have to... You can't kill him, Jim. You kill him and... It, you it, kill him in three and then port over your safe game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's a different Lord Brit. Just play Ultima 4. Just play it. <laughs> this is uh, just play this. Just play. It's free. It's not. It, there's. It's no easier time to get this game than right now. And play it with sound and how it's meant to be played. Highly recommend. <laughs> while on a camping trip. Yeah. Even on. Even while. The camping, way it's meant to even, be played. Even with bears around. It's just. It, it'll. It'll keep your mind off all the bears and scariness of camping. <laughs> You do camp in the game, which is kind of funny. You can actually hold up and camp in the game, so it's kind of... Oh, so you were actually just LARPing your Ultima 4 game. yeah. That's what I was doing out in the Neat. forest. I was LARPing. Awesome. Yeah. Casting spells. Lightning. Lightning bolt. Lightning bolt. Sleep. 
Oh, that's my favorite spell. I want to do. I, I want. I want to. I want to cast on me right now. <laughs> Sleep. How about you, Jim? How? Uh, what do we got? What are you? Give it to me. Give it to me. How, what were you playing this week? Actually, there was. So there, I have a couple of things here. I was. I'm actually been having a little difficult difficulty in choosing one, and so in order to do so, I quick spent about 15 minutes with each of them. And it is very clear what it is that I'm going to do. Like speed dating. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry to the card game Soulforge. You're you're neat. You're quaint. Uh, I think I mentioned in episode zero um, my utter infatuation with the games that uh, Christine Love makes, and there is a new one, or rather, it's sort of a, a standalone expansion slash epilogue to her most recent one, Analog: A Hate Story. So this new one is called Heat Plus, and as I said, it it serves a bit as a, it is a sequel slash prequel at the same time, so it's like after the events of Analog, which um, I would definitely recommend uh, to just about everybody who is not averse to reading text, mm-hmm. which is, you might have lost. as I'm kind of finding, <laughs> is actually a, stra- a strangely high number of gamers that I know. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's got to be because ultimately, all vocals now, Jim. No one cares about Because ultimately, it is, you know, like Analog is, it's a visual novel um, in which you sort of, in which you scan through the, um, I guess the record, the records of an abandoned space station um, with a, with a cute AI girl in a frilly dress. And it is wonderful. I'm noticing, and so in this one, I'm it, noticing a pattern here, Jim, <laughs> some of these game recommendations. What is it then? <laughs> no, I was just—I <laughs> don't know. Just it's a lot of like cutesy love story stuff. I like it, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's that's it's it's a, let's be honest. We all need a you go through go through Steam and see how many things are there that are cutesy love stories. Yeah. Hey, wait, look. Not I, many. I'm not. No, 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 no. It's a lot of it's a lot of Binding of Isaac. <laughs> That's a lot of depressed. Okay, okay. Of... To be fair, I may have put about ten hours more into Binding of Isaac also this week. <laughs> yeah. No. It's, um, hey, we all. Hey. You know. All you, everyone needs a little love, Jim. I get it. Sometimes you just need something light and fun. Right. Cool. So, well, in this case, um, the game is. I wouldn't say it's light though. <laughs> in analog, uh, you walked through uh, trying to figure out what the cause was for how the space station was abandoned. And and so and as you did it, you kind of did it with like the detect- you went through and basically played detective and um, with these com- with co- a couple competing AI personalities. And in the expansion, or again, I'll call I'll call it the, an expansion here. In the the epilogue, you are then sort of um, walking through how it got to be this way, so that and ultimately the civilization um, that you're investigating. Um, was based on uh, Korea's, uh, their Joseon dynasty, which was a a crazy misogynistic time. Mm-hmm. Like I uh, throughout throughout most of the game, uh, there is a there's a line that's that's said in there that says men are honored, women are abased, and that theme is very prevalent throughout the entire thing. And since both of the AI. Uh, that you that you that come across are female. They have they have a they have very different interpretations as to the history of what is going on with the space station. I, it's difficult for me to kind of get into it too much without kind of ruining a lot of stuff in the story. But 
it is very, very well written. I honestly don't think you will experience... You, you won't experience writing quite like this in, in many other games out there. I really recommend um, not, only, not only Analog, A Hate Story, and Hate Plus, um, but also just you know look through the other Love Conquers All games, which I think is actually an amazing name for her company. <laughs> <laughs> There's the one problem that I actually just ran into is that it's the game uh, Hate Plus is divided up into three days, and you're in a spa- you're in a ship that is very low on power, and so you you have to spend some of your power to kind of download uh, the file like like download and decrypt files from the space station's database as you're on your journey home. So over time, you, there's only a limited number of files that you can read on a given day, and then you have to recharge your batteries. Hmm. However, in this case, recharging batteries takes 12 hours of real time to do. Oh, I like that. That's cool. There is actually an achievement for beat the game in three days like the game was meant to be played. So basically that has to be your life for three days, correct? I mean, that's... Well, no, not necessarily because each day only each day only lasts about maybe only like an hour or two. Oh, okay. Um, and then you have to go and recharge your batteries a bit. But there's also, you know, there's several different endings to it. You know, you can read through the stuff. You read through these with, um, you read through the files, I guess, with a different AI. And again, that offers very different perspectives. Actually, it's interesting because you can choose whether your character, your character is male or female. And that also affects how the, how the AI interacts with you. So to kind of get like a really kind of a complete picture of it, you can just do like different combinations of those to really get a different feel for not only the story but then also get a feel for the characters as well so i mean give me i need a i need something to glass onto. so just an example so you're you're a male i mean i don't know if you play as male or female but uh you know you're a male character and you talk to one of the computers how do they react are they kind of standoffish or are they do they say one thing to the female that they wouldn't say to the male that kind of thing yes even after like you kind of earn the trust of the ai sometimes there's still like that latent subservience to it just again just the stuff that's trained from, I, I just from their, uh, from their like their coding at least just from the, um, the environment that, that they that they had mm-hmm. been in mm-hmm. for so long and may may necessarily um, may hide may hide some things from you. Also, um, giving compliments giving compliments to some of the AI uh, as a as a female creates some weird tension at times. Uh huh. Uh, for example, like the like the really traditional AI may get very flustered because they've never really considered that women can talk to each other that way. As I said, there's there's some really fascinating things in there, and I said I I really enjoy I really enjoy her work, and this is this is the best experience that I've had so far. Also, there's an achievement in it um, that involves you. Big, like you taking a picture of yourself kind of with the with one of the given endings uh-huh. and having and baking a real ca- baking a cake <laughs> to present and you take a photo of that you email it to the creator uh-huh. and that will unlock this achievement what, for what's you. the achievement called have you done it no i haven't i haven't yet you know what it's called i will though i'm so going to do this you know because honestly any game that suggests to me hey why not make a cake that's amazing. <laughs> F off, Portal. Yeah. You went the wrong way with it. Yeah, let's bake. I want let's go real, real cake. cake. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's no lying here. I mean, we're talking real. No, no. Cakes. It's there's 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 real cake. 
Poor Charles. So there you go. <laughs> I'm recommending Hate Plus because there's cake at the end. Just add cake. <laughs> Thank you for listening. One More Turn is produced, created, and hosted by Jim Staholsky and Kevin King. If you have any questions, comments, feedbacks, if you want to give us a cake recipe, g- email us at onemoreturnpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a note on facebook.com slash onemoreturn. Music is courtesy of Pixel Hate and his song IED off the album And the Revolution. You can find more Pixel 8 music at pixelh8.co.uk. Blue Pain is courtesy of Breakbeat Heartbeat and the Waveform Generators off his album 2206. You can find more Breakbeat music at soundcloud.com slash breakbeat heartbeat. Next, uh, next episode, we're taking on DuckTales. Woo-hoo. Is there anything you want me to add in the credits at all? I don't know what I got there. Ah, <laughs> <laughs>